Okay, away we go. The counter's going round, which means that this podcast is recording, which is great. It's been a long time since the last podcast. Um, I thought I'd recorded a February podcast, and I hadn't. I, I even went and checked the feed, and there it was, just January. So I've been a bit lax recently with recording these, which is a bit naughty of me. Um, I do have a very good excuse, though. There's been quite a lot going on. Sadly, a lot of it I can't actually talk about at this point because I want to make sure that it actually happens before I sort of start talking about it on the podcast and uh, on the website. But if it does um, come out, hopefully it'll be in May, potentially June, but there should be some news in the next podcast about that. Other than that, it's sort of just been sort of getting on with work that's been coming in and sorting out one or two things with the website uh, and just a lot of humdrum kind of things. So I suppose basically the first thing we'll do is we'll just get on about the the housekeeping, one or two things. Um, the website, first of all, new hosting um, or new hosting package, I should say. Uh, I've just upped the package up to, I think it's Expert, which um, gives a better level of uh, resources for the website to use. Photography websites can be a bit resource intensive, more memory and things like that. And I just got offered a deal by my hosting company, which made a lot of sense. Pays slightly more, but... You know, it's actually worth upgrading. And when I mean slightly more, it's only sort of slightly more. And the benefits um, certainly outweigh the extra cost. So it was a case of snapping their hand off to get that. The second thing uh, with the website is the slider on the main page has finally been sorted out at least for the time being to um, deliver what I want it to do there was a couple of slides on there that for some reason were misbehaving they were doing the wrong thing they weren't zooming in properly or going out uh, sliding out properly when it was displaying on the on the page and I'd been trying messing around with settings settings for about uh, six months something like that and nothing was working, so I just decided to go back to basics and just rebuild them again. Uh, the two that were misbehaving, and it's fortunately sorted the problem out, which is fantastic. So it's working really well. I'm sure there's going to be more development on that slider because I do like having something on the main page that gives a good overview of all of the website. It's got a lot of the key areas Um image copying, some of the galleries, photography books. Um, about the only thing that's actually missing on there is the podcast, but, um, you know, it might go on there at some point in the future. Who knows? So that's, you know, been really great, getting that sorted finally. And um, other than that, apart from a post about an old image from the digital archive, because I've been going through my digital archive, diving into those dark waters. Um, it wasn't as well organised as I thought it was. And it definitely needs looking at. It's adequate at the moment, and I want it better than adequate. 
I want it so I feel that there's a process there rather than it's it's rather sort of on the fly at the moment I suppose is the best way of putting it uh, winging it and I want to make it a bit more solid as a process for backing up my digital work it's not like just sticking the negatives into a negative file and filing it away somewhere it needs to be a bit more organized than that um, so I'm looking into that at the moment um, and the final thing I'm going to mention is the photography book now again the photography book uh, is still the text but what I'm going to do is I'm going away um, I'm going away for a week to Scotland tomorrow and I'm going to be taking some photos and things up there as usual but what I'm going to do is I'm, uh, I'm taking a notebook with me and I'm going to have an experiment of trying to be a bit old school writing the, the forward with uh, pen and paper rather than typing it into um, a computer screen rather than just typing it into a keyboard and just see what sort of result that delivers whether it's a bit more organic because um, I think the problem is is writing it down on a page might actually be easier than trying to type it in and as you go um, there's a lot of distractions and things whereas just the a pen and a bit of paper it sort of focuses the mind so we'll see how that works but i've got an, a nice sort of like angle for that forward to start off with which i think is a good start um so that's what's that's what i'm intending to do when i go up there really what i'm hoping to do is just sort of like chill out do some really good photography while i'm up there but also shoot some film as well which i haven't done in a long time I'm taking my Bronica 6.6, which I've used uh, quite a lot in things like the Norfolk Project. I've got some black and white film and I've got some colour film with me. And I'm just I'm just going to just shoot some images on that and just, um, just enjoy myself, hopefully. Uh, the weather looks good. It looks sunny. Um, looks as though there's going to be a few fluffy clouds in there so it looks as though it's going to be great landscape photography kind of weather and I'll just have to see what I get but just not using a digital camera I think will be refreshing um, I use digital photography for a lot of things these days in fact when I was doing the Norfolk project I was probably doing about 60-40 uh, in films favor shooting wise um, I used to shoot more film than I did digital and gradually over the last 10 12 years that's dwindled down so that now I very rarely shoot film it's mostly on uh, it's nearly always on digital it's not mostly it's nearly always and uh, I just thought it'd be nice just to go back to my roots with uh with film again so we'll have to see what we get right so that's it for that little lot we're up to about seven and a half minutes i want to try and keep this 20 25 minutes if possible um so we're on to the podcast links so i've got four for this month which um i rather like um i thought it was a bit of a 
I thought it was, you know, not particularly a great few weeks for photography links, but it was surprising how many came up that I actually like. I found that Twitter is becoming a bit harder to find links on. I don't know whether the glory days of Twitter with photography links has gone and people are more using it sort of like for their own point of view rather than showing off um, work and things and whether people are uh, just not putting as much on. Maybe it's just I need to take a look at my the way that Twitter is set up uh, for the photography streams and just see if I'm uh, missing something. It may need a bit of a fiddle about. So, right. But we'll get on to the first link. And this is um, from the BBC News um, website, which is coming up with some really good photography um, at the moment. Um, I'm really liking what they're doing uh, currently. But this one is photographing the endless diversity of America by streetlights. This is photography by British photographer Daniel Freeman, who travelled more than 25,000 miles across the US to capture scenes of small towns lit only by streetlights, shop fronts and moonlight. These are really cinematic. Um, it's a different sort of um, landscape view, really, of America. But it, it's it's very... it really does engage you. And you can imagine that these would be absolutely fantastic uh, on a wall, um, framed prints and things like that. The colours are fantastic. The scenes really do capture America in a way that I'm not saying hasn't been done before, but it's certainly refreshing. There's no people in the shots. Um, as I said, it's a very, very cinematic look to them. You can imagine it, it being part of a, a film. Um, in fact, there's one image a bit further down that is is very american but if uh you remove one or two things from from the picture you know you, you could be talking somewhere you know like glasgow or uh somewhere like that but they are you know a lot of them are manus pharmacy that's the one um, it just sort of, I don't know whether it just it sort of like has a tenement sort of like look to it, but uh, there's an American flag flying above the, the pharmacy door. But yeah, absolutely beautiful images with uh, the wet roads reflecting the red light and trees lit up from underneath with the street lamps. Um, fantastic scenes. Beautiful photography. Certainly recommend you have a look at that. That's Daniel Freeman's work on the BBC with his uh, nighttime shots that he's taken across America. So the next one, the next link I'm going to talk about is from the Magnum website. Behind the image, an English sunny afternoon. This is where Ian Berry photographer probably better known for his work that he shot in South Africa in the 1960s um, but he's talking about his most well-loved shots from his series Exploring English Life 
Now, the picture location I know really quite well because it's Whitby up near the uh, church at the top. A beautiful location with great views over um, Whitby and out to sea. The picture itself, um, well, it's the title underneath is a sunny Sunday afternoon brings tourists and residents onto the hill overlooking Whitby Harbour to relax and dream. Whitby, England, 1974. There's quite a bit of a working class vibe to this. Um, but you do, you know, it's it's amazing to see this, this shot because it, it, it does remind me of, you know, visits to Whitby when I was a kid. And people would just climb up the stairs, up, to, up the hill. And... Uh, just sort of sit down and just relax and soak some sun up at the top. And this photograph sort of captures that situation beautifully. There are some questions that are answered underneath about, you know, what is happening in the photograph. I mean, to be honest, some of the questions are... are I would say that there's better questions that you could ask someone like Ian Berry about this picture. Um, I mean, one of the questions is what is happening outside the frame? And the answer is more people are sitting down. It's a bit sort of like mundane, really, but um, and it's a bit short as well. But there, there is at least a little bit of information about how the photograph came about, why Ian Berry was in Whitby um things like that so if you are interested in ian berry's work or you're just interested in um social documentary photography um photography you know coastal photography anything like that take a look at the shot because it is a really beautiful picture uh and that's on the magnum website of course now the next one is olympus uh, olympus i can't even say it olympus Image space. This is Olympus's um, camera blog, photography blog uh, website. Um, it's I tend to sort of delve into these every now and again, but they always tend to go from the. the I mean, they're basically an advert, aren't they? That's that's what they are. And this is exactly what this is. Uh, this is... It's an article written by Peter Dench, who's a really great contemporary photographer. Um, I wouldn't say he's like Martin Parr, but there are elements to Peter's work that are a bit Parrish. Um I think if you like Martin Pardo, you would like Peter Dench's work. I'll add a link. I'll add a bonus link to some of Peter Dench's work. But anyway, um, on Olympus Image Space, there is a rather nice article by Peter Dench about Roger George Clark and his visit to Kronstadt, the island fortress and base of the Russian Baltic fleet back in September 1990. Now, I think that the date is quite significant because the idea of being able to get into a Russian naval base now for a British photographer would be, or 
quite honestly, any photographer other than someone who is Russian would be highly remote. It would be a bit like the Royal Navy allowing a Russian photographer to photograph in um, Portsmouth docks, naval dockyard. Um, it just wouldn't happen. It just wouldn't happen. But at the time in 1990, it was just before uh, the Soviet Union uh, collapsed. A lot of things were in flux and access would have been far easier to get. And the, the photographs that um, Clark takes are absolutely fantastic. Uh, a series of portraits, black and white, of naval officers, uh, naval guards, uh, outside of naval staff building, inside the former officers club. Um, you know, an, an amazing series of photographs. Guards, uh, guarding Soviet submarines. So we're still in the Soviet period, but only just... It's literally got months left uh, before the Soviet uh, Union starts folding in on itself. Fantastic set of images. As I said, the thing is with this blog is it does lay on how brilliant Olympus cameras are quite heavy. Um, technique is one of the titles and underneath it's Olympus cameras changed my photography I use them to take pictures for four photo books. It was the easiest camera I have ever used. Light, fast and affordable. I produced much more lively pictures and found them perfect for candid shots. So, you know, they're, they're trying to sell you on Olympus gear at the end of the day. But I have seen it done in a far more heavy-handed. And there's a lot of inform information, technical information, about the cameras that were used and the lenses and things like that and uh, the film. It was nice to see, actually, Tri-X and T-Max 400 films because I used to use a lot of T-Max 400 many, many years ago when I was a, a student. I gradually moved over to Ilford HP5 because I, I, I think I just preferred the tones. I eventually just decided... Um, it's a very strange journey film-wise because I started off using a lot of Kodak then switched over to sort of like a mix between Kodak and Ilford and then gradually just removed a lot of the, the, the Kodak uh, certainly towards the end of my... Uh, well, I wouldn't say the end of my film days because I still use film but when I was using lots of film uh, towards the end of that period... I was certainly just buying Ilford, really, because, as I said, I just preferred the tones of all of their ranges of film. Um, the T-Max 400, I got on with all right. I didn't particularly like the, the 100. Um, so I, I probably that's how um, Ilford snuck in, because I used to use a lot of Ilford uh, FP4. And obviously, I just thought at some point... Well, I actually like the tones of that. I'll try a bit of HP5 and then just that was it. The uh, beginning of the end for T-Max 400. I can still use it. And if someone bought me a pack of 20 rolls, I would be very happy. I'll be ecstatic and would use it. But um, given the choice, it's 
you you end up getting favourites. You end up finding something that you like working with. Um, and certainly, if anybody is thinking about shooting film, is try a whole lot, um, and just see what you like. Uh, you can get one role, and then just go through, you know, three or four roles different of different films, and then just see which which one you prefer to use. It can be the tones that it delivers. It can be the grain. It can there can be all sorts of factors in with it. But um, yeah, T Max four hundred that brought back a few memories when I saw that in the. But it's a nice little piece about Crunch that's well worth having a look. And like I say, I will add a link um, in a bonus section of the podcast links page uh, covering Peter Dench, and uh, I'll, I'll see if I can find some some work of Peter's to show you because he does have a very unique. I as a photographer. I mean, one of the things I actually just before we leave this that I found quite amusing was um, there's a title and underneath it goes written by Olympus visionary Peter Dench. I think visionary is basically a really fancy, pretty pretentious word for a photographer who uses Olympus gear. So I would be a Nikon visionary. Um. But I don't know, it, just as a title, it, it just has that ring. Another one that I don't like is when people say, I'm not a photographer, I'm a lens-based artist. Um, it just sounds a bit, yeah, a bit over the top. But anyway, take a look at that, the Olympus Image Space blog. There's also some really nice ca categories for various other different um, photography Styles of photography, fashion, food, landscape, macro, uh, portrait, sports, street photography, travel photography, wedding photography, wildlife photography, and a few others as well. So take a, uh, a look at that. It's a really good um, photo blog if you don't mind the hints about how brilliant Olympus gear is, which, you know, it is, but, you know... Um, you don't need to sort of like have it rammed down your throat, really, do you? Right. The final one I'm going to mention is probably my favourite from this month. It is the Memory Hunters. This is an, another one from the BBC News. This is a BBC News magazine piece. It starts off with um, if you had 60 seconds inside your house before it was set to be destroyed, what would you grab? Jewellery, perhaps? Or a beloved childhood toy? But for many people, there is nothing as priceless as a family photo. This is all about volunteers that are helping Japanese families get back their family photos after the tsunami of 2011. It's a bit of a human interest story, sort of combined with the technical side of Photoshop and being able to uh, repair photos and give them a new lease of life, which is something that I do here at... Uh, Richard Flint photography, bit of a plug there. But basically, this is a set of volunteers that are helping people reunite with their photos. Because a lot of people thought, a lot of the houses during the tsunami, of course, were completely destroyed and the contents swept away. And some of these contents, some of these albums are being found by people and gathered in. And then... 
they organizations have sprung up people where they've tried to reunite people with their family history with their with their probably most precious thing in their house their family album um it's all about you and where you came from the visual record of that i know if anything happened to the you know the the vast box of family photos that we've got in this house um it, it's they they are irreplaceable there is no way some of them have been scanned by me and copied so that other members of the family can get them but the vast majority of them have not so potentially could be lost and this is what has happened with the tsunami back in 2011 where the houses were swept away and all of the contents like i say and eventually people started finding these photos and gathering them up and repairing them and delivering them back to the families a repaired version of the the original some of the repair photos on the page are absolutely amazing. There's a bit of a time-lapse thing so that as you scroll down, the, the picture changes and you see the, the marks gradually go and then it transitions to the, the new repaired version. But for me, the images that sort of like say the most about what happened with the tsunami and what a tragedy it was is a series of images about halfway down they're in a sports hall and it looks like a record fair um, where there's boxes on the ground or a book fair. There's boxes on the ground and these are all full of photographs and albums where they're trying to reunite, re reunite them with, with people and uh, get them their albums back and it's it's absolutely massive it's just a massive space just filled with all of these images it's just terrible to think that these have been separated from uh the family made even worse by the fact that a lot of these families may have lost someone in that tsunami that is the visual record was in those family albums so not only did they lose that person with a tsunami but they also lost the images that recorded that person as well which is even worse so they've got you know these volunteers trying to gather these images together and get them back to people they've also got people who are retouching and repairing them and you know they've got some really high-end people there's uh people who have done retouching work for ranking and, and annie Leibovitz. just fantastic set of people um who are able to do this work there's apparently there's about 500 people from sweden to new york um, ready to smooth over the smeared photographs and make them look new again a thousand volunteers on the ground work the site to clean the photos too so you know it's just a remarkable effort a remarkable story and i would certainly recommend that you have a look at it and uh, check out a brilliant human interest story about photography right that's it um yeah, I've gone over the 25 minute. I'm nearer the 28 minute. So 
that's it for this month. I will be back next month with hopefully a special bonus podcast to start from Scotland. I'm hoping to record some audio up there while I'm there. Uh, and then there'll be a regular podcast a little bit later. So until then, thank you very much for listening and I will be back very soon. <laughs>